welcome to The Other Path in Mind. This podcast is for those who are ready to choose themselves and become seriously self-empowered when it comes to mental health. I'm your host, Anna Rising, mental wellbeing coach and devotee to all things mental health, healing and personal growth. I walk alongside those ready to cultivate their oh-so-powerful minds, sharing with them the knowledge, experience and tools to arrive at a place of confident, self-led mental well-being. Join me for inspiring conversations and actionable steps that you can take as together we explore the pathways to creating a mind and life that you really love on your terms. So let's start this journey on the other path in mind. And a huge, huge welcome to the very first episode of the Other Path in Mind podcast. If you had told me a couple of years ago that I would be creating and hosting a podcast, I don't think I'd have believed you. But I think we're at the point where the world really needs the conversations that are happening on podcasts like this one. And podcasts are just such a great way to create a space for depth honesty and intimacy which is really essential where mental health is concerned so here I am doing a podcast to introduce myself properly hi my name is Anna Rising I live in West Sussex in the UK with my husband and we have two boys our son Rue who is a bright and energetic two-year-old and our five-year-old forever puppy Dylan I'm a mental wellbeing coach and through my work I'm a mental health activist, a peer supporter and I've recently founded the movement, hashtag seriously self-empowered. You can visit www.withannarising.com if you want to learn any more about it because this movement really is a movement for all of us. To talk to you briefly about what this podcast is all about for a moment, this podcast is for you if you want to get better at managing your own mental health and levelling up your mental landscape. I like to weave together the scientific, the spiritual and the practical, which you'll hear me say a lot. And I want this to be a place where you can come to get a wealth of free information and education on mental wellbeing. My wish is that it helps you to learn and discover and feel inspired, but all at your own pace. And the way I like to teach is to just be really clear and simple and to keep things well structured. And that should show through this podcast. Although I've designed the episodes to very much be standalone, if you want to listen in order, then it's designed to feel like a journey and one that builds and gains depth as you go. That said, I fully intend to skip over all the overwhelm and confusion of learning how to get really good at self-managing mental health. And I'll also open doors for you that will show you pathways that standard mental health services might not be able to show you. I'll aim to keep the episodes on the shorter side for the most part because I know how busy life is. And also, if mental health, you know, if it's not great for you right now, concentration can be really difficult. I also want you to come away from these podcasts feeling like you can get to where you want to be, both in mind and in life. (laughs) And I know it sounds cliche, but the reason I know you can do it is because I've done it and I'm doing it and it's absolutely possible for you. 
Before I dive into the main body of this episode, there's two things I just want to say. The first and most important is there is a general content advisory on this podcast. All aspects of mental health and topics in relation to it are talked about openly. So if you don't feel that now is the right time to be engaging in this type of material, then please, please look after yourself and come back another time. I'll be right here. The second is if this podcast feels like something that you think might really be for you, then I highly recommend and encourage getting on the mailing list. It's not spammy and should you wish to, you can unsubscribe at any time, but I really don't think you'll want to. It's going to provide reminders on episode releases. It's going to give you extra content that will be given by guest speakers exclusively for listeners of the Other Path in Mind podcast. And I've created two resources that are really high quality. In the future, they will form part of a book. So when I say these are great resources, they really are. And I want you to have them right now. So they'll be sent to everyone on the mailing list. You can head over to the website to sign up and I'll remind you of all the links and info at the end of the podcast. It's also in the show notes too, so all there ready for you. On this first episode, I think it feels really right to share about how I got here to give you some idea of my background and experience. Mental health really is my deepest passion and it's something I've gladly dedicated my life to. It also feels like a path that I've walked for the entirety of my life. I was born to young parents and I'm the oldest of nine children, some of whom I had a lot of responsibility over from a very young age. Um, My childhood wasn't a stable one. There was multiple divorces, changing partners, we moved house frequently, had changes in schools and unfortunately I experienced terrible child abuse. Looking back on my childhood memories, I can see that I was growing up in the midst of some very unmanaged mental health issues as well as the abuse and I can also see now how some of that led to trauma responses starting to develop in me from a very young age but it wasn't really until I was in my teens that my own mental health challenges really started to become apparent. So by the age of 15 I was in child mental health services and I had my first diagnosis and was put on adult strength medications and that really was the sort of official start of my journey with mental health. It's been fascinating watching the evolution around attitudes and treatments and even to the services over the years. Some of it's been for the better and some not so much and I feel it's important to acknowledge here that I am very very fortunate certainly in the first five to ten years of my mental health journey I had access to a lot of support And I know that's not the experience for so many people. And whilst I'm fortunate and have had so many positive experiences, I also think it's important to be able to acknowledge our system and services are, they're not perfect. There are issues that need to be openly talked about and awareness raised around them and then worked on. And whilst I am UK based, the issues brought up here and you know in subsequent episodes are faced very much by the western world and partly that's due to our lifestyles and some of it is our societal structures but the other piece of it is that western countries use the same biomedical model of healthcare so if you're listening from america canada europe australia etc you'll still be able to relate to this and what I'm saying. And in fact, mental health challenges have risen globally. So everyone is very much welcome to this space and to take what they need from it. 
By the time I'd reached my 20s, I'd been through a huge range of therapeutic approaches and I'd had many different medications. I had also been diagnosed with a lot of different mental health conditions too. And just to share with you a few of those, um, recurrent depression, anxiety, social anxiety, agoraphobia, obsessive compulsive disorder, which at the time was diagnosed as two different types, but that has since been changed uh, as the understanding around OCD has developed. Post-traumatic stress disorder, which later had complex post-traumatic stress disorder added to it. Excoriation disorder. And then there are some that I actually decided not to pursue a formal diagnosis for. So you can see that's a huge amount to be living with. And mental health challenges really impacted my education. And whilst I just about got through college, I really wasn't well enough to go to university as I'd hoped. So at the age of 19, I started a career in the ambulance service. It was really intense and the shifts were long and it had a lot of pressure, but I really enjoyed the work and I really loved the knowledge and the training that I was constantly gaining from it. And the nice thing, I think, is when I went home at the end of the shift, I often felt like I'd done a really worthwhile job and maybe I'd made a difference to someone, whether it was um, someone that was using the service or a team member. Yeah, I was just really proud to work for the NHS. And also it was great just to be able to get a really good inside and professional understanding of how various health services functioned, which was invaluable. And that work just gave me so much. But always running alongside everything was the invisible struggle. The struggle with life, just being alive. It seemed to me as though everyone else was managing, progressing and getting to live. And I know, of course, that isn't necessarily the case. But at the time, that's that's how it felt. Other people just didn't seem to have to expend so much energy just to do the basics, just to get through the day. It didn't seem like agony for other people to just go outside and socialise. Having the motivation to start the day didn't seem to other people to be an enormous mountain for them to scale. And they certainly didn't appear to have these full-blown battles or horror films happening in their heads regularly or daily or moment by moment. I just wanted to live a life where the focus of each day wasn't whatever was happening in my mind. It seemed to me that everyone else was getting on and getting ahead in life and I was just struggling to keep up with that. But, you know, that's the thing with mental health, isn't it? Other people just can't see it. I suppose to other people I looked like I was doing fine too. You know, I had a career, I was supporting myself financially, I lived out of home, I had friends, I had boyfriends, I did my hobbies. But what people didn't see was things like me being in more abusive situations because that's what I was used to. They didn't see how unwell I was feeling from the side effects of the mental health medication I was taking. They didn't see me drowning as I sat on extensive waiting lists for therapy yet again. However, fast forward a few years and something started to go wrong uh, that was different. This time it was something physical. 
I lost all my energy. Um, it felt like someone had pulled my batteries out and turned the power steering off. And I was in pain all the time and couldn't, quite often couldn't even think straight. And the fatigue, though, was just, it was something else. It was completely debilitating. Some days I couldn't even walk. And when I slept for 36 hours straight and was still exhausted, I, I knew something was very wrong. You know, shift work's exhausting, but I was a very young 20, 21 year old, and so I just I knew that wasn't normal. It took a really long time and was a hard road to getting answers, but eventually I was diagnosed with a condition called fibromyalgia. Interestingly, it was through this process, which took about two years, I faced for the first time the discrimination and stigma of having mental health issues, and it was from the doctors of all people. Part of the reason it took so long to get diagnosed was because they could not see past the mental health diagnosis I had. I was being repeatedly told it was in my head, which was highly unhelpful. And unfortunately, this is still an issue for people in healthcare today. By the time I had been diagnosed, I was pretty much bedbound. I was medically retired from my career in the ambulance service and offered my pension at the age of 23. And I had to move back home and I was actually cared for by my grandmama. So I'd lost my career, my independence and just everything that went with it. In terms of treatment, there was very little in the way of options. Um, they offered me medication in the form of antidepressants, which I was already on, strong painkillers and a short stint of physiotherapy um, because obviously I was very weak and had suffered uh, muscle atrophy but beyond that there there was nothing I was 23 and I was stuck literally uh, I had fought so hard to have the life that I did have and there it was just gone and I felt really angry I always think the next bit of my life would be better summed up with a montage you know like in Kill Bill where Uma Thurman's character wakes up from a coma and she has to get her muscles and nerves functioning again. And she channels all this rage she has into getting herself back walking. So this is my wiggle your big toe style montage. I channeled the anger that I had and I used it as a catalyst too. Because I just felt like I was not going to lie down, literally, and accept that this was my life now. After all that had come before, no way. So I accepted and did the six physio sessions that I'd been offered and I used that to start devising my own rehabilitation plan which got me walking and driving again and a little bit of regained precious independence to push off of. And the next step I took was getting myself to the gym and working on the muscle atrophy a bit more. So it was just little walks on a treadmill and fitness classes for the over 60s. And then I saw some adverts for a local pole fitness class which I had heard was excellent for building strength. And I'd, I'd just been and felt so weak in every possible way for so long that I desperately wanted to feel strong. So I signed myself up, two classes in, I was just, oh, I was utterly rubbish and extremely weak, but I just fell in love with it. It helped spur me on. I just lived for those one or two hours a week while I was at pole but I was still having to spend up to 80% of my day in bed. And I tried to use that time wherever I could as productively as possible. And I studied 
a huge array of subjects with a major intensity, as though my life depended on it, which I guess it sort of did. But I have to say there were also so many times where I felt totally overwhelmed by the task of getting myself better. There was no one else that was going to do it for me, and it was made harder by not knowing where to start or what was available, what techniques were going to suit me, you know, at what point in my healing journey do I use them, how could I tailor the subjects and skills to my needs. But, you know, I did it and I got myself to the point where I had gone from spending much of my life stuck in bed to teaching pole fitness myself up to 15 hours a week. And hopefully you can hear it in my voice. I'm still so proud of that massive achievement. It really was a massive achievement. So yeah, celebrating the wins there. We have to celebrate our wins, right? Word got around locally about my story and what I'd managed to achieve and people started contacting me to ask them to help them or their loved ones manage their conditions. I was getting businesses approach me to start hosting talks and run classes in skills that I taught myself for them. So I ended up going back through my self-teaching to get the qualifications in various subjects. And suddenly I found I had a job again. I was teaching and I discovered it was something that I was naturally very good at. And I'm so grateful for that. There was a bit of purpose back in my life. Healthcare professionals were also asking me how I'd managed to do what I had. And a few even asked if they could send their patients to me. And it was that that got me thinking. Why are so many people not getting what they need from traditional approaches to mental health care? What is missing that even some professionals are trying to find other options outside of their own practices? Have we, as in society, become too medicalised and... For those that want help managing their own mental health, you know, maybe alongside medication or maybe without it, what are the resources? Why isn't there structured education for us that is clear and easily accessible? Why aren't there multiple options so that everyone can find exactly what suits them or at least know about what the options are that are available? And what about easy ways to tailor approaches to individuals so that they can support themselves as fully as possible? Doesn't that just make sense? Especially given that mental health is such a huge issue for the world right now. Given how many years I had already been struggling with my mental health, I don't know why it took a physical event like the one I had experienced to make me sit up and look at my own mental health. Perhaps it was my age that I went into the systems, I don't know. But I do think it is indicative of a general Western thinking and approach. But taking charge of my own mental health was what made me realise that it was absolutely possible to do this for mental health. And my goodness, did I know the roadblocks and the missing links and how to get around it all. In order to measure my own success with the mental health management, I decided to set myself the goal of coming off all medication. Now, this isn't to say that this is or even should be everyone's goal. It's just it was the right time for me and it was a way for me to effectively measure if the techniques I was doing would allow me to completely self-manage. So it was back to the wiggle your big toe, kill bill style montage, but this time for mental health. 
And obviously it's this bit of the journey that I'll be sharing with you in detail in the coming months and years because it's the bit I need to share and get out to you. It's the bit that we all need and deserve to know so that we can be the proud cultivators of the best mental landscapes possible. As you can probably guess, I did hit my target and I got myself to being totally therapy and medication free, which was again an enormous achievement. One that at one time had felt utterly impossible. Now, I'm not saying that my mental health journey was all wrapped up and neatly in this nice little parcel at this point and ended there. For the sake of storytelling, that would be wonderful, but it's not realistic. As I will likely say many times, mental health is on a continuum as the way that all things and all other aspects of our health are. You know, we're human. We have seasons and phases for all things. But what I am saying is that through what I've taught myself and through the practices I do, I'm able to sustain long periods of very good mental health. And if it does dip or one of the conditions sort of flares up, it doesn't sink anywhere near to as low as it used to. And it's not anywhere near as consuming as it used to be. I'm able to avoid needing to go through the system where certain conditions flare up and I can deal with it myself. And when I do need further health and support, I know my options. I know I can communicate what's happening and what I need effectively. And I can also advocate for myself better. Unexpectedly from doing all of this, I became more confident overall. And I'm just so much stronger and I'm so much happier. I have the space and ability to thrive and achieve and live my life as I choose, but most importantly, my my mind isn't the site of just countless invisible battles and torment. It's generally a calm, quiet, content place to be. So I hope that you have an idea of how I arrived at this point and the point of making this podcast. Mental health challenges weigh us down they bind us, they stop us from reaching our potential and from being able to show up as our full and very best selves and it robs us from making an impact on the world. If you visit my website you'll see right there on the front page a quote by uh, the Mental Health Foundation that says by 2030 mental health issues, particularly depression, will be the leading causes of morbidity and mortality globally the piece of research that was done that that quote comes from that was before the pandemic the pandemic has deepened the mental health crisis considerably we cannot wait for that prediction that statistic to come to pass we cannot wait for the services and the infrastructures to catch up we need to and we can empower ourselves and my purpose here is to support you to offer you a roadmap and to show you the other pathways to achieving your own seriously self-empowered mental well-being. I'm genuinely very excited for the future of this podcast and what is to come. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I fully encourage you to get on the mailing list and to get those resources. They've been created with the energy of what is going to be the most helpful to the most people. And I'd love to start spreading those ripples of empowered knowledge right away. I know you have so, so much more to grow into, possibly in ways that are unimaginable to you right now, but I am so here for that. 
it would be an honour to walk alongside you on this other path in mind. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode and ask before you go, could you please leave a review? Reviews make an enormous difference in helping others to find this podcast. You can also hit the follow or subscribe button, which will keep you up to date, or even screenshot this episode and share it on your socials. It all helps and makes a difference. Now to leave you with this reminder. You deserve the uncomplicated path, the one free of struggle. To take steps in safety, lanterns held high against the dark. You deserve the path seeped in understanding and loving guidance, leaning into winds of change as they carry seeds of dreams forward. You deserve the thriving mind on your own terms. Do not be afraid of the labyrinth spiral. Your innate power is already there. Unleash, break open and rise.